You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. You're listening to an Ono Media Podcast. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise and Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and as promised, I have the conclusion to the heartbreaking Harmony Montgomery murder trial that's out of New Hampshire. And I'm going to just warn you guys ahead of time. This is a tough one. The details are difficult. And it's tough because every aspect of life failed this little girl. Her parents failed her. The system failed her. Other adults in her life failed her. So let's jump into those disturbing details. When Harmony Montgomery was born in 2014, her biological parents weren't a couple. Adam Montgomery and Crystal Sore were absolutely not fit to take care of the beautiful little baby they named Harmony. And for the first four years of that little girl's life, Harmony bounced in and out of foster families. Then in 2018, due to continued abuse of substances, Crystal, her mother, lost custody of Harmony. In early 2019, Adam, her father, via the court system, gained custody of his daughter. Now, Crystal would occasionally check in with little Harmony, and during the Easter holiday of 2019, Crystal and Harmony FaceTimed. That would be the last time Crystal talked with or saw her daughter. Now, it's disputed about how much Crystal attempted to stay in touch with Harmony, but this is for certain. Two and a half years later, after that Easter call, Crystal went to the police saying she hadn't seen Harmony for those two years. Then on New Year's Eve of 2021, the Manchester Police Department announced they were investigating the disappearance of Harmony, but this was going to be an uphill battle. While interviewing family members, police repeatedly were told by those family members they just didn't know where the child was. All they had to go on was that Easter phone call between her and Crystal. In fact, in those initial days, police were begging the community to call if they had seen Harmony months or even years prior to her mother alerting police to her being missing. 
Well, five days after police held that press conference announcing their search for Harmony, Manchester police arrested her father, Adam, on charges of failing to provide the child to authorities, second-degree assault, and child endangerment. At the time, Adam was 31 years old, and he pled not guilty, but he was jailed without bail. In those five days since the press conference, Harmony's great-uncle had confirmed that he had seen the five-year-old in July of 2019. Okay, so that's just a couple months after the Easter phone call between Harmony and her mother. But that uncle told authorities that he was concerned about the little girl back then because she had a black eye. When he quizzed Adam about that black eye, Adam admitted he had hit the little child when Harmony was found covering her little brother's mouth because he was crying. Now remember, it had only been a few short months since Adam had gained custody of Harmony, and he's hitting her so violently that she has a black eye? Now the great uncle said he had called CPS, but it appeared the case had not been taken seriously. Now also in those five days since the press release, Adam's wife, Kayla Montgomery, told authorities that she hadn't seen Harmony since November or December of 2019. Okay, I'm going to try very hard here to not be overly judgmental of her or even the others in this heartbreaking story. But I need to remind you that Adam had custody of this child and she's married to Adam. And you tell authorities you haven't seen the child for two years? Also, you should know she has three children with Adam as well. All of them are younger than Harmony. So you're probably wondering, where does Adam say Harmony is? Well, he initially told authorities that Harmony was perfectly fine and that he had seen her recently. But that story quickly changed to something completely different. He told authorities he hadn't seen Harmony since Thanksgiving of 2019 when she left with her mother, Crystal. Now, the police affidavit notes that Adam was nearly emotionless while answering the questions of detectives. They say he didn't seem concerned to know if Harmony was even still alive or not. But fortunately for authorities, keeping Adam in jail while searching for Harmony wasn't rough. They slapped him in June of 2022 with eight different charges related to firearms crimes. Okay, some of those charges were being in possession of a firearm as a felon. He was charged with stealing a rifle. And he was also charged with receiving stolen property related to firearms. Then, also in June of that year, so nearly the same time, Kayla, the stepmother, was arrested for perjury, for lying to the grand jury when testifying about where Harmony was. Kayla had maintained her story that Crystal had taken Harmony during the Thanksgiving holiday of 2019, and police were charging Kayla with lying under oath. All right, she was already in trouble with the law because she had been collecting welfare benefits for Harmony in those two years that Harmony was missing. Remember, she said she was with Crystal, but sure, bring those welfare checks, keep them coming every month. So you've got Adam in jail for firearms crimes and for child endangerment. You've got Kayla in jail for perjury and fraud. And you've got Crystal, who doesn't report her child is missing until two and a half years after the last time she saw her or spoke to her. Now, during those first eight months of 2022, police are still offering $150,000 rewards for information leading to the discovery of Harmony. And then in August, police announced that they believed that Harmony was dead. And that case was now going to be treated as a homicide. Of course, this upped the charges for Adam. He was now facing second-degree murder and abusing a corpse. 
and the heat is really on the two during those months before the charges were increased to murder. And Kayla decides to cut a deal with prosecutors. She pled guilty to the perjury charges, and in return, she vowed to cooperate fully with the case against her husband. In the affidavit, Kayla admitted that in December of 2019, the family was living in their car after being evicted from their apartment. Now, on that day, she said Adam was hungry and they were driving to Burger King when he became upset with Harmony for soiling her clothes when she didn't have any place to go use the bathroom. Remember, they're living in a car. Where is this little girl supposed to go use the bathroom? Well, in a rage, Adam turned around in the driver's seat of the car and began punching Harmony in the head and face. After punching her until she was unconscious, Adam continued on to Burger King and got himself a meal and also food for the other people in the car, which included a hamburger for Harmony. Now, Kayla placed the hamburger on Harmony's lap, despite the child being unresponsive. Later in that evening, the car had mechanical issues, and that is when someone decided to finally check on Harmony. The adults discovered she was dead in the rear seat of the car. Kayla told authorities that Adam said to her that he thought he really hurt her this time, and then he said, I think I did something. All right, you guys, we just have to pause and talk about that word choice. He thinks he really hurt her this time? So he's hit her multiple times before, obviously, and as if the other times didn't hurt her when he was hitting her. It only hurts when you finally kill her? So Kayla said Adam removed the body from the car and placed Harmony in a duffel bag that was then put in the trunk. Over the next three months, Adam moved Harmony's body from one container to another. At one point, the body was in the trunk of a friend's car. Then Harmony was placed in a cooler in the hallway of his mother-in-law's apartment building. Then she was moved to the ceiling vent of a homeless shelter and then to an apartment freezer. You guys, it gets worse at one point, Kayla placed the tote bag that held the remains of Harmony between her two young children that were riding in a stroller. She pushed that stroller into her husband's workplace so he could hide the remains there. Finally, in March of 2020, Kayla said that the five-year-old's remains were transported in a rented moving truck. Kayla couldn't tell investigators where the body was dumped, but toll road data showed that the rental truck crossed a bridge in Boston multiple times. Now, despite conducting searches in that area of the bridge, Little Harmony has never been found. Kayla was locked up for 18 months for the perjury conviction, and Adam was imprisoned with a sentence of three decades on the weapons charges. Then the state got to work, building their case against Adam. On February 8th of this year, Adam went to trial for the death of his daughter. The state was arguing that on the day of Harmony's death, Adam beat the child until she was quiet and then drove to a Burger King. They said his anger stemmed from her inability to not have bathroom accidents. They said he then did drugs with Kayla before finally realizing that Harmony had died from the beating. The prosecutors declared that Kayla was scared of Adam, and that's why she didn't stop him from beating the child, because she too would have been beaten. They also said that as Adam moved the body from place to place, he took measures to break the body down by applying lime. They also said he purchased a saw, and they speculated he used that tool to also compress her remains. But the defense, 
in their opening argument, said that Kayla was lying just to protect herself and that they found a note in Kayla's jail cell that showed her willingness to betray Adam. In the note, they say she also talked about how she longed to be intimate with Adam one more time before cutting her plea deal. Well, as the trial carried forward, Kayla became the star witness. She repeated the details of Harmony's death and also of the abuse to Harmony's corpse. She added additional details about freezing the body when the smell became overwhelming and that freezing included time spent where the body was in a duffel bag in the freezer of the restaurant where Adam worked. When she was asked by prosecutors to look at the jury and tell them she did not kill Harmony, she did look at the jury and say she didn't do it. And then, under cross-examination by Adam's lawyer, he asked her if she had looked at the grand jury and told them she didn't know what happened to Harmony. Well, she admitted that she did lie to that grand jury. Adam's lawyer then said, So, looking at jurors while you're lying doesn't change your lie, right? She nodded and said, right. And in a bizarre twist, Adam didn't attend any days of the trial, not even the day that the verdict was read. His legal team, well, they also did not present a defense. They cross-examined the state's witnesses, but that was it. Jurors deliberated for about seven hours over a two-day period. And during that time period, they only asked the judge one question. They requested the definition of recklessly. They then returned with a guilty verdict. After the decision, Crystal, that's, remember, Harmony's biological mother, well, she told reporters that Adam was a coward, and he had always been a coward. She said that was why he acted the way he did, taking Harmony away from people that loved her just so he could have control. She said he only cared about control and that Harmony never meant anything to him. Crystal also told reporters that she had fought for her daughter and that she did everything that she could. Adam has yet to be sentenced, and we have to wait a couple of months for that to happen. Now, Manchester Police Chief Alan Aldenberg told reporters after the guilty verdict, that Harmony deserves better than the life she had. He said that is why the search for her remains will continue. He said he's convinced that someone knows something and that that something could help police track down her remains. The department still has a dedicated tip line, and that number is 603-932-8997. He also said people should be on the lookout for a light tan canvas tote bag with dark straps and also with a Catholic Medical Center logo. Now we have unanswered questions. It's clear, Kayla and Adam failed Harmony. But what about the state agencies? Well, remember, Harmony was passed between her mother Crystal and foster families three different times in the first four years of her life. But when Crystal's drug use became so severe, Harmony was removed and Adam took over the care, which that has its red flags. Adam hadn't made any attempt to be in Harmony's life up until Crystal was removed from the picture. He also had a criminal history as well as a history of unsteady housing. When Adam gained custody, Harmony was moved from Massachusetts to New Hampshire, and that meant all of the foster care information didn't follow her. Little Harmony was working on a clean slate, and that was detrimental to her life. The judge, who made the call to give Adam custody, 
did so without being presented any additional information from Massachusetts or from legal professionals who had worked on Harmony's case. Now, Massachusetts DCF employees had requested what's known as an ICPC check that would have required New Hampshire to guarantee that Adam was sober, that he had a safe place to live, that he was employed, and that he was ready to parent Harmony. And that last one, that's a big one because Harmony had special needs and serious medical issues, including total blindness in one eye. That ICPC check? It never happened. And the Massachusetts judge granted Adam custody without any guarantee that she had a place to live. When Adam was granted custody, he had spent less than 20 hours with the girl in her first four years of life. That means he had never put her to sleep. He had never given her a bath. He had never tended to her physical ailment. And it took just 10 months for Harmony to die at the hands of her father after he was granted custody. And I want to note that Kayla and Adam continued getting that monthly welfare check for Harmony, which for me was clearly a driving force in gaining custody of the child in the first place. Now, due to the horrific nature of Harmony's case, the Department of Children and Families has examined their framework and they have also changed policies that they say include improvements to scrutinizing placement of children with new foster parents or biological parents who had very little involvement. Now, crucial to the changes are the enforcement of interstate checks when a child is moved across state lines. Well, all of these changes were needed, and hopefully they are effectively being implemented. But none of it brings Harmony back. She deserved more, much more. And now to this breaking story out of Missouri, where a mother has set fire to her home, killing her and her four children. Bernadine Prusner appeared to be working hard to increase the value of her life for her and her four children. According to the Kansas City Star, Bernie, which is what most people called her, was a former math teacher at the City Academy in St. Louis. While working there, she was named Missouri's Teacher of the Year in 2013. She had continued her education and become an assistant professor at Lewis and Clark Community College in Godfrey, Illinois. She was also a published author and the founder of a nonprofit called Root Cause Agricultural Education Group. She was in the middle of pursuing her doctorate in early childhood education. She had also blended her love for teaching with encouraging children to explore in nature and that she also wanted them to appreciate the harmony and beauty of what surrounded each child. Well, at one point, Bernie was married to David Prusner and the two together had nine-year-old twins, Ivy and Ellie. But that marriage ended in 2017 and custody battles have plagued those years since their marriage. During that time, Bernie dated, but she never married Jared Sprader. But two more beautiful children were brought into the world by Bernie and Jared, five-year-old Jackson and two-year-old Millie. And when that relationship ended, more legal battles ensued. See, Bernie survived on about $60,000 a year working as a professor at the community college. And you guys, that's not much when you have four children and a heaping pile of legal bills and lots of negotiating about child support. One of the more recent issues was that Bernie desired to move her children 10 miles from St. Louis to a suburb of Creve Corps. 
Now, this would seem on the outside like a great move, since the relocation would have Bernie and the children living closer to David. But he took her to court, objecting to the move because he did not want Bernie to move closer to her very own mother. Now, court documents say that David felt Bernie and her mother weren't healthy together, and David even contends that Bernie said her mother was psychotic. And according to Bernie's lawyer, Nathan Cohen, Bernie was being targeted in a coordinated effort by both the fathers, David and Jared. And Bernie's family provided a statement to the Post that said, Bernie saw her children being used by their father as foils, and she viewed the process and system for resolution of those claims as cumbersome, tedious, and never-ending. It went on to read that each time Bernie would score a step forward, her ex-husband and her former boyfriend would undertake an action to denigrate or undermine her role as a mother. Now, her lawyer told the Post that he agreed with the family's statement. But the pressures didn't leave the family or her lawyer, to come close to predicting what would happen a week ago. On Sunday, just eight days ago, Bernie posted a picture of her and her kids on Facebook with a caption that read, Us Against the World. I'm so blessed to be their mama. She also wrote the following, Making today one of those live each day like it's your last kind of days. And then she detailed how she was taking the children to a soccer game and then to a reptile show. Then later that night, or rather first thing in the early morning hours of Monday, Bernie again posted on Facebook at 12.15 a.m. that all of her kids were sleeping in her bed, knowing that they are loved so fiercely that she would do absolutely anything for them. She finished the post by saying that this was her favorite moment. All right, you guys, who knows what happened over the next four hours? But presumably, Bernie started a mattress on fire in the home. And when firefighters responded to the two-story blaze, all the children and Bernie were found dead inside. They found a note left by Bernie that stated she was taking the lives of her children and then she would take her own life. Now, her lawyer told the Post last week, David, her ex-husband, had tried to enact another legal motion against Bernie. He said the last thing he said to Bernie was, don't worry, we will kick this one down too. But now her lawyer is saying he missed every sign. He said that the entire week following the fire, he has been asking his staff, what did he miss? He said she was one of the rare clients that you work with in family law that is not only upbeat, but she was also not trying to put on a show. Well, now Jared Sprader, that's the father of the two youngest children, Jackson and Millie, he released a statement saying that what he would want everyone to know about his two wonderful children is that they are the greatest gift that a father could ever ask for. He wrote that Jackson was the most incredible older brother. He was kind, intuitive, and gentle. He loved his sisters. He loved being outside. He loved sports and art, and he was always so in tune with the needs of others. And then he wrote that Millie was a fun, charismatic, sweet, and kind little sister who brightened every moment of every day for all of us. He then indicated in the statement that he and the father of the other two children planned to work together to honor the four. Now, Ferguson Police Chief Troy Doyle said in a statement that the tragedy has, quote, left an indelible mark on his town. 
That statement goes on to read that though I don't know them personally, their story has deeply touched not only me, but also the officers who were first on the scene, and indeed our whole community. It was a stark reminder of the unseen battles some of our neighbors are fighting and the critical need for empathy, compassion, and support from all of us. He then ended it with, This incident has profoundly affected those who served that day, showcasing the vulnerability we all share as human beings. Now I can only leave you with this. The police chief is right. We all should be more aware of those around us. And we'll finish with this story out of Oklahoma that should teach all of us to not believe everything you hear. Late Wednesday, the husband of a content creator named Candace, that's her handle, he posted a video on TikTok, which is her TikTok page, explaining that his one-year-old had accidentally dialed 911. Okay, here's how the beginning of the story goes. I'll just let you hear it from him on that TikTok page. If you saw the news in Oklahoma last night, yes, the SWAT team really did come. And yes, it was all because of my one-year-old toddler. Let's talk about it. So yesterday, me and Candace are chilling in the living room, just hanging out with the kids. And she looks over at me and says, hey, I'll watch the kids for a couple hours if you want to go play your video game. Now, I'm a guy. That is like heaven came to earth. And of course, I'm accepting that offer. So I instantly take out my phone and I start talking to my boy from Canada. And I said, hey, hop on Fortnite. It's go time. He responds back instantly. It's going to be a great day. I feel it. So I go to my office. I turn on my PC. I put on my headphones. I start jamming out to Zach Bryan because what else is an Oklahoma man going to do? And I load into this game of Fortnite. Now, sometime between when I closed my office door and when I started loading into this game of Fortnite, my toddler started doing toddler things. What I mean by that is she sneaks into my room and she doesn't do some Mission Impossible born identity thing. It's a sliding barn door, guys. She literally just probably walked right in. Anyways, I don't know she's in the room. I also don't know that she grabs my phone. Now, this is where the story kind of gets funny, kind of gets crazy. The news article says that she dialed 911. That's obviously clickbait. That's not what happened. I don't know what else logically could happen but this. So if you guys know, let me know. But I think she was messing and fidgeting with the phone and she got into the emergency SOS settings. I think if you tap the side of the phone like three times, it enters into it. And she emergency dials 911. I don't know that she's even in the room with me. And I sure as hell don't know that there is a 911 operator now in the room with me. And I'm in the middle of an off-spawn fight. So you might ask, who is the 911 operator talking to? Well, it's not the one-year-old who doesn't know how to speak. She's listening to a grown man in the middle of a video game fight. As you can hear, he is sure that the operator heard him talking with his gaming buddies. And then he explains that he yelled, he's dead. No, I got him. Come back to the house and we'll wait for the body. Okay, he said that he was winning the game but that the 911 operator believed that he was committing a crime and possibly planning to commit another. He then said he heard his wife yell loudly that someone was trying to break into the house. He told all the TikTok watchers that as he ran into the living room, he could hear banging on the front door and officers yelling, Oklahoma City Police Department. Well, according to the husband of Candace, the SWAT team then entered and searched his house. He then said a detective showed him the 911 call notes, and that is when he realized the, the notes reflected what was going on in his Fortnite game. He claimed the detective let him walk into his gaming room and retrieve his phone where he could see that the toddler had dialed 911. 
Right, you guys, while I watched this story, because I actually ran across this video on TikTok, I watched it on Friday morning. And at that time, it had over 8 million views and 10,000 comments. And it's completely fake. The Oklahoma City Police Department has confirmed that their SWAT team did not respond to an incident matching what's being described in the TikTok video. When the husband was asked by KOCO reporter Dakota Wapeksh if the video was fake, he responded with, the video is satire. Okay, there's lessons learned here on Rise in Crime. Lock your doors. Don't advertise on social media when you will be away from your home. Protect your children and grandchildren dearly and unfettered. And don't believe everything on TikTok. Well, that's your Monday episode of Rise in Crime. You guys, a big thank you and a virtual hug to all of you listeners. My gig with Rise in Crime isn't my only job, but it's a job I love, and it's one that doesn't feel like a job. Plus, I get to work with my kids. What could be better? Please tell a friend about this and the other Oh No Media podcasts and subscribe while you're at it. Also, join me again on Thursday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules, and keep safe out there. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.